What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Rock the Podcast. This is Money, uh, your friendly community builder. Hi there, and um, my name is Philandi. Back from like the first two episodes. This is the first time you've been back. Oh, back, I know. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love You love I'm sorry y'all, I'm a little bit under the weather Been thotting and bopping No <laughs> I'm righteous. Right? <laughs> okay. All right. I just learned that term. I had to use it in a sentence. <laughs> I've been waiting to use assiduously in a Assidu- sentence. Ooh. It's like with great detail and care. All right. We're going we gonna to use it today. Okay. Assiduous. So I've assiduously crafted this episode today for you all. And there you go. <laughs> I'm through. Right. Yes. Um, so before I get started, because I always forget to do this, please use the hashtag QueerWalk on all social media. Um, I know that we kind of grew out of Tumblr, so we, you know, the Tumblr tag is popping, but we're on Twitter. If you don't follow already, you can follow the podcast and the page at QueerWalkPod on Twitter. We're at QueerWalk on everything else. Use the hashtag QueerWOC. Also, if you would like to contribute to Queer Walk and maintain the page. You know, like keep the podcast coming. Hit the PayPal link. It's paypal.me slash queer W-O-C. Yeah, so I always forget to do that. So I just wanted to make sure I did that. And I'm about to give a weather update. It's like all these updates. (laughs) Updates, updates, you know. (laughs) Growth. Um, Also, I have a Gmail for Queer Walk now. So it's QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Because sometimes people want to submit, like, questions or suggestions for topics or Queer Walks of the Week. And they don't have a Tumblr, so they're just like, well, I can't submit. You can submit at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. So QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, topics, Queer Walk of the Week suggestions, Mm -hmm. that's where you can hit us. You know, I'm trying to own it across all platforms. Platforms, like, and I, I don't know who the person is out there using Queer Walk on uh, Twitter, but they don't ever use the page. They just have it set up. I think you should just send them a message and be like, "Can you give up? Come up off my handle? Let me get that. Let me get that handle real quick for the low for free. Give me that at. It's mine. Give me that." (laughs) 
Give me that app. Give me that app. <laughs> Yo, that's a hashtag. Give me that app. Hey. That's, that's how you holler. That's nice. That's oh, oh look, you see, you out here starting shit. <laughs> give me that app. See, hey. I didn't think I had no game, but now I'm gonna just start commenting on people. Give me that. Give, give me, me that, that app. Oh, okay. so I know it's real. <laughs> Okay, so I have um, three queer walks of the week this week. One, I'm just going to start off with an Ashe, who is no longer with us, uh, Ava Barron. Um, I don't know if folks have like heard about her, but Ava Barron was a 17-year-old black trans woman from Augusta, Georgia, who was murdered uh, two weeks ago. So I just wanted to start out with an Ashe to her and check on a queer woman of color, this week, y'all, mm-hmm. um, particularly trans women, black trans women, um, check on them, make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. Send a you okay, sis, text message. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm just so sick of like logging into Twitter and having to mourn another black trans woman because right. some fuckery has happened. So I just wanted to start the podcast with Anache for Ava. Okay, and so my second queer walk of the week goes to Gloria Carter, Jay Z's mama. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you heard the song, Smile. I have not heard it. She On it, yeah. I, I can't play it because, actually, I don't have... Uh, I won't say that on a podcast, but I, I heard it through other means. Oh, um, you don't have... Because I don't have okay. title. You don't have title. Okay. <laughs> um, But... Right. So, so on, his mother came out yeah. as lesbian. Lesbian, yeah. She just came out on the song. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What's... What do you think is interesting about that? I thought she'd been. Oh, you thought she's been out? Yeah. Or. Well, what is out? I don't know. I think making a public declaration about your identity it's versus like, like someone, just living your truth. Right, right, right. Yeah. So she's probably been right. doing her for years. But as far as like making a public statement about, yes, this is my sexual orientation. Right. I think this was the first time. If, and if y'all want to hear Jay-Z's mama spit these hot fire verses, uh, the song is Smile, and it's on his new 444 album. Okay, so she ends the song with a poem, and I just wanted to read it. Living in the shadows, can you imagine what kind of life it is to live? In the shadows, people see you as happy and free because that's what you want them to see. Living two lives, happy but not free. You live in the shadows for fear that someone will hurt someone hurting your family or the person you love. The world is changing and they say it's time to be free. But you live with the fear of just being me. Living in the shadows feels like the safe place to be. No harm for them. No harm for me. But life is short and it's time to be free. Love who you love because life isn't guaranteed. Smile. And she's older. Um... I don't know how old she is, but Jay-Z is 47, so, so she's probably like 60s. 14, yeah. Yeah. I just thought that that was, that was just, to me, like, monumental right. for a queer mother to, like, be talking about, like, this moment to be free. Right. And she's black. Right, like, black. Raised, raised, you know, arguably one of the best rappers of, of all time. time. generation. Yeah. And has... And has been. It doesn't sound like he. This was a shock to him. Like he always he knew. Like, yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah, I, that's where my the way he talked about it sounded like it was just a thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really good that she was able to come out. Yeah. 
in the way she did. On a on, on a public platform. Yeah, on, 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 yeah. on a public platform. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are forced out. Definitely. Yeah. So. And I don't know. Outness is always a back and forth for me when I'm thinking about it. But what I also liked about her, I guess, coming out on Smile was that she talked about safety not only for her, but for her family. Mm-hmm. And how how much generations have changed since then? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about uh, an author who works at the university who had like her children taken from her because she was a lesbian mm-hmm. in like the 50s. So like that's real. Like that fear of yeah. something that happened to my loved ones too. So having to stay in the shadows. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to Mama Carter. Right, girl. So I thought that was so sweet, and I posted the poem on the Twitter page too because I was just like, "Yes, <laughs> uh, you know, queer watch, we everywhere, raising babies, having lives, raising legends." Yes. Oh, yes, raising <laughs> legends. Uh, and so my last queer walk of the week goes to Ashley Marie Preston. Uh, who was appointed editor-in-chief of Wear Your Voice Mag, which is a feminist publication. Mm -hmm. And so this is historic because she's the first black trans woman to ever be editor-in-chief of a feminist publication. So huge shout-out to her. We see you, goddess, yes, come through. Um, And that is definitely a skill I will never possess. So shout-out to you. Don't limit yourself. Editor in chief language. Nah, that that takes like commitment and dedication to writing in a way that I just don't have. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So our community contributors of the week. Number one, as usual, the reigning community contributor, Kid Crazy, always holding us down. Thank you. Number two is Verdant Handshake. And I had to get help from Philandy to pronounce that. Yes. Verdant. Verdant Handshake. handshake. Nice. Number three is Jilly Bean 214, who is new. I've never seen your um like Tumblr handle on Queer Watch. Like so welcome. Yeah, it's really cute. You from Philly? Probably. No, Jill Oh, Jilly. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I almost missed it. <laughs> okay. welcome jellybean214 and another newbie number four thought latina which i love that's all you see that's all you i need no help to pronounce that okay so also welcome to queer walk i love these handles i know tumblr has the best handles i think hands down yeah. yeah they're they're so punny and like yeah You know, I try, I try. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to move into the mental moment with money. Which is why you're here today. Because it's actually a mental moment with Philandy. I like that sounds better. Money. The alliteration, I know. Yeah, you can stick to that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, we wanted to talk about... The different types of mental health professionals. Mm. But before we get into that, I want to like do a backtrack. So, first of all, I've been wanting to do this. I was like inspired by um, two things. The uh, Brown Liquor Report podcast. Mm. They had, I can't remember his name. I should have wrote it down. But they had a 
guy on there, I think he's a social worker, right. and he was t- he was like breaking it down, like when people tell you to go to therapy, right. like what that really means. Mm. And so that was amazing. I was inspired to do an episode to break down the different um, types of mental health, health professionals from there. Yeah. And also Queen from T Queen and Jay, who I love. In my head, they're like my homies. We right. hang out every day. Right. I call them to update them on my shit. In, <laughs> In my head. <laughs> and this is the mental um, moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But definitely like Winters in Syracuse are hard, and I was getting ready for a qualifying exams. Their podcast just, like, got me through. Thanks so, you. yeah. Shout out to y'all. Yes. Holding it down. For black women. Yeah, you everywhere. never know who your words are touching. And I think it's so important to speak life in everything you do. That's why you're so profoundly deep at such a young oh age. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are. Oh Philosophy. God. The setup. Okay. <laughs> you had to throw that in. That's my handle, by the way. Oh, yeah. We didn't even say that. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I feel like it's because if you've been following this podcast, you should know who you are. They should. But they, I'll post it in the... the first one. Right. And this might be their first one. Right. <laughs> I'll post it in the description, though. I'll come aboard if this is your first podcast. We're happy to have you. I promise she's not trying to use like a sexy radio voice. It's just that she's I am sick. beyond sick. Like, <laughs> like my nasal passages and my lyrics are just not cooperating right now. <laughs> but it's so good. So good. I'm I'm really am gonna make you some tea when we finish. Like hot tea. You need hot tea. Not burning. Just enough like to warm the yeah. passages. <laughs> I don't like hot things. Okay. But, I mean, that's... I love that's hot a, That's a broad statement. I shouldn't say that. Um, I love hot things. I don't like hot beverages. <laughs> okay. Give me that at. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to back up and ask you why you wanted to become a therapist. Like, what interested you in mental health what? to begin with? Not me. Interested. Because you're Haitian. Very much so. Born and raised. And from Miami. So Definitely. <laughs> I think, is is it safe to assume that the conversations around mental health weren't being had on a daily basis? Um, yeah, so conversations were being had around mental health. So I think it's trying to understand what that narrative looked like when I was younger. Mm. And then see, like how we kind of poked hole through it and right. retold the story around mental health. Right. So, like, indigenous ways of doing it. Right. Like that word, I mean, that word is kind of weighted, but, like, ways that are specific to our community. Right. Okay. So, I think when people say, oh, mental health is not talked about, oh, yeah, it's talked about. It's mm-hmm. just talked about in this way that kind of um, puts the onus on some type of religion or sometimes just, like, they cast it away or try to cover it up. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it, it is talked about in a certain way. Like what? Can you, can you say health? what you mean? Okay, so like, I know like growing up in Haiti, there were these two particular people. There was this woman and this man. And um, based on me looking back, it looks like they had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And the older guy, he, he I experienced him as someone who had Alzheimer's. And so, during that time in Haiti, like, and as a little child trying to make sense of what's going on, like, why is it that 3 o'clock every day, she walks down the same street, 
just screaming mm-hmm. or just doing all these behaviors mm-hmm. that were like so strange to me. And then my mom would be like, oh, when she was younger, her family like had a deal with someone and they put spirits in her. Mm-hmm. So this is basically, she lives a life that she's like in possession with the spirits and that's how she's going to be until she the day she passed. Mm-hmm. So that's how they made sense of Right, it. right. That was the... Uh, ontology of the yeah dis- what was disorder. going on yeah because right, right. mm-hmm. she would talk to herself so they would talk about all oh, the spirits are within her mm-hmm. and she has conversations with them yeah um the older guy he just had Alzheimer's so like he just could not remember like who he was what he was doing but the one thing he did remember was like that little corner at the market where he would go get literally the same meal every day it was just like routine. Mm. So I think um, that's basically what was going on. So I often talk about being in Haiti. It's kind of like you witness the tapestry of life. And then when you see, when I saw that woman or that older guy, it was like there was a tug in that tapestry. And me just wondering like, what what's, what's going on? What is this type of thing? Kind of drew my attention to it. So that's what made you want to be a therapist? Um, I think that, so if I go back, that's like the beginning. So I feel like as the story goes on, it gets fuller mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, it's twofold. I feel like a lot of mental health professionals, at least for me, we kind of go into this profession um, trying to help ourselves, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to save ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, this profession could be a great way for mental health professionals to distance ourselves from other people. And I can get I can get more into that a little later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm interested. Well, I'm interested in that, but I think I also can relate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Right. Can, can we hold on to that? Yeah, we can. We can bookmark that. Yeah. Um, um, right. I was... Yeah. Oh, it starts there. Mm-hmm. And um, so... As I grew older, people used to just always come to me. Ever since I was a little child, they always called me very wise. And even adults would come to me for advice. Crazy. <laughs> like, on their relationship. Like, Celandy, what do you think I should do? And I would dispense advice. And I remember in high school, um, people used to call me their therapist. Mm-hmm. And during A and B lunch, I had office hours, quote unquote. <laughs> a lunch at one something. I, I sat in this little corner just waiting for people to come. Tell me what's going on in their lives. I would give them advice. Next day or a couple of days later, they would come back, let me know if it worked or not. <laughs> like, that was all I did. Be lunch. I think it was around like 2.30, 2.45. Same thing. <laughs> Office hours. Wait, was you charging? Like, no. What? <laughs> Gotta get your husband I'm together. I'm still not charging the <laughs> Right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it was a struggle out here. It's a struggle. But, yeah. I, I want to talk about that struggle, too. But, yeah, um. but that's kind of... <laughs> Those are little little things that Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's crazy. You think about well not crazy. Yeah. We'll take that word away. Um <laughs> it's an interesting it's thing lo- that Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that happened. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to think about this about what my like origin story is to being a therapist. I really feel like I kind of fumbled into it. Um, because what what I feel like my primary focus was was like storytelling. Mm-hmm. So so that's why I'm a narrative therapist. Um, so so I guess in the same way, like I'm, I, I hate saying U.S. Black because it just feels weird. But I'm 
my family is of this country, like as fire. far back as the I authentic, can. What's, what what feels authentic to you? What feels authentic to me is uh, I don't know, like because I feel like because I don't like saying U.S. because it feels like tied to the United States and like imperialism in some weird way. Mm-hmm. But my family, like, how much more native can we be to this country? I I mean eight. Nine generations back, my black family has been in this black. Black Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're part of an American story of blackness. So, whatever. So, that's that's my lineage. My family has, for as far back as I know, has always been in the States. Um, And we also have, like, this way of talking about mental health without naming it that. Because, obviously, that's a name that's, like, imposed. Um... But my great-grandma was always talking about, like, your dreams tell you things. Mm, like, yes. you need to pay attention to your dreams. Um, she was always talking about, like, if if we would daydream, she would be like, where did you go? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Like, and, and then when I think about grounding exercises for anxiety and depression, right. my great-grandma was doing that she shit. Doing like, she the original The original. OG therapy. Yeah. And so even when I think about my grandmother, how so many people would just come sit on her couch and just like pour out their world to right, her, right? right? And how many stories she held and the stories that got passed down, mm-hmm. um, that stories became like vehicles of healing. Right. Like you had to protect who you told your story to. Yes. So so it's just like, th- it became like this whole like mythology around stories in my family. Like who did you tell? Right. And that you have to be able to really trust that person. Whatever, whatever. So that I grew up with that. And I think I used to want to be, I don't know, like maybe a writer or a doctor, like somebody. So the writer to still tell stories. To still way. tell stories. Okay. And, a, and a doctor to, so I think I like really latched on to the healing piece of those stories. Mm-hmm. And so to me, a doctor was like a formalized way of being a healer. healer right. So it was like the only the only mainstream way that it was represented for me. Like, right. oh, well, if I want to help people heal, I can be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I realized, like, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and all through school, I was kind of tracked for math and science because I was really good at it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what my passion was. It wasn't what woke me up in the morning. Right. But I had a scholarship for it. Right. I was So it was just like, okay, I got to do this. Um but then I took an intro to psychology class. Same. That changed your life forever. Changed my life. Oh my, that was like, unique. Most people take what? intro. It's whether they love it or they, or they hate, hate it. it. Yeah. And mine was love. I was I loved just it. like, my world makes so much mm-hmm. sense now. Like, I was like, this is it. And what what I loved most about it was, I think that was also a time where I was starting to understand my like social location is like being black being a woman, mm-hmm. and then, like, trying to put words to my sexuality also. Right. So it was also a moment where I realized, oh, how this, like, heterosexual white man is explaining this mm-hmm. is cute or whatever, but my <laughs> grandmother, like, it, yeah. it, 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 it's talking about the same things using different words. Right. So that was, that was a transformative experience for me. So that's when I realized that I wanted to do psychology because it married, like, that storytelling and healing for Together. me. Together, yeah. Yeah. And so then, I think it's so interesting you brought up that whole um, like intro to psych and how it's being told from this like white hetero cis perspective. Yeah, 
like like I don't know. I'm just thinking back. I'm like, you're so right. Yeah, all the intro to psych, yeah. personality, all the theories, uh, yeah, the pathology, the, yeah. all that stuff. You're right. It's, but at that time, I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. I think the way it's framed, at like, what other gaze can it be from a white male? Because mm-hmm. it's so the other, like, see the other, mm-hmm. like, see, not be seen. Right. And I think if had had anybody else um been allowed to create the field yeah it would it wouldn't have been like that so all of that like blank slate like you don't disclose anything yeah yeah assessment diagnosis black box it's all about seeing someone else right and i think i mean you know we talk about it all the time but like with with colonization of any field of any country of any place like, that's what happens. You right. have somebody come in and see you over there. This word And put this label to it. Right. Yeah. Right. And so... Oh, my bad. Let me put my phone on silent. Tuss, tuss, tuss. It never goes off until I'm doing something. you're hearing this, put your phone in vibrate. You don't want to miss this podcast. Yeah. So that, like, brings me to the differences between the mental health professionals. Okay. Because we're both marriage and family therapists. So we're biased. AF. <laughs> Incredibly. Okay, first let's let's just explain marriage and family therapy. Because honestly, we could just talk about marriage and family therapy and breeze through the rest. Because I, I don't think that there's a really good understanding out there about what MFT is or what we do. Right. Or why we so shpopping. Right. It would be great <laughs> to have everyone give us their understanding of what a therapist is a mental health professional is and mm-hmm. then we could fill in the blanks but it's not interactive it's not right it's not live that's the only so, limiting thing but um marriage so, and family therapist so specific i guess specifically just broad well not specific broadly mm. um counseling as opposed to therapy right because i was a clinical mental health counselor right. and i i was adopted to marriage and family therapy so i feel like i can Welcome speak aboard. <laughs> i can speak to both camps so um counseling is short term like there's a foreseeable end to it mm. um it's relatively problem focused so right. what Counseling is more like crisis oriented. Like what's going on and how can we solve it? Yeah. Regardless of the different like theoretical orientations to it. Mm -hmm. Counseling is more. All right. We got 10 sessions. What you trying to do? Right. Whereas therapy is like. Bitch. Like. Yeah. yeah, We about to unpack. We going to unpack. luggages. Bring all that stuff. (laughs) We about to sift through. Bring it. Yeah. Just bring everything. We going to sit here and go through it with you. Right. Yeah, so... And I think another thing about MFT, you said go through it with them. So I'll bookmark that and come back to that. Mm, What makes us so different. Yeah, so now let's talk specifically about a marriage and family therapist. All right, so um, off the bat, just off the title, Mm -hmm. marriage and family therapist, you automatically think about you're working primarily with more than one person. Absolutely. Because um, although marriage can be problematic sometimes, like trying mm-hmm. to understand what that means, marriage. Usually... So what? I gotta be married to come to your office? Hey, you saw? Like, you saw? <laughs> yo, you saw? That's what they say for real. You don't have to be married, yeah. right? So if you think about marriage, we understand it as two or more people mm-hmm. in this union, and then we think about a family. 
that's definitely more than two. Like, yeah, that's three plus, and you can decide how you define family. Mm-hmm. So off the bat, we are trained to work with systems. Systems, yeah. That's the biggest. That's the differentiator between us and, and other every, mental health. Yeah. Literally, like every other mental health profession, yeah. be it a psychologist, a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. a clinical, was it CLC? I don't remember. I don't want to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but any other mental health profession, we are specifically trained not only to work with individuals, of course, we're trained in that, but specifically with systems. Yeah, but even when working with individuals, seeing how they are connected through the relationships they have in their lives mm-hmm. and their relationship to the world. Right. Like, we're, we're trained for that. Right. Where other professionals aren't, or not necessarily aren't. Because right. I think um, in, in the counseling realm, like in clinical mental health counseling... Um, student affairs counseling, school counseling, those mm-hmm. type things. Uh, you you get to you get like an ecological perspective of people, right? So like how they interact with their environments, right? But that's not necessarily a relational look into right. them. So, right. so I think as MFTs, we really think that we are social beings, and, right. and the way that we are going to change is through changing our relationships, right? And so, yep, that's the right. difference. Um, so what about social workers? Because we said from everybody else. And so what I've been seeing a lot is that social oh. workers are getting this, like, I don't know, like, clout? I don't know what else to call it. They got the juice right now. Social workers got the juice because <laughs> of insurance companies. Mm, um, speak to it. This uh, We can't neglect that exactly, business care. and yeah. finances, financial part of mental health. Um, the more we go forward, it's looking more and more like medical health Mm -hmm. and the way we offer services, billing, and everything. I think social workers, based on how I see and understand their training, because in our program we have a dual social work and marriage and family therapy master's program, Mm -hmm. social workers are, their training is not clinically focused. Right. And so I think of a social worker... Like, their work is in society. Right. In the field. Right. Um, And so, they can work in areas like case management a lot of time. I know sometimes they'll work... um, I mean, I'm trying to see. There's there's some social workers in, like, the chemical dependency. Chemical dependency, for sure. Because I feel like social work gives you a very broad understanding, not only about mental health... But more so, society. Yeah. It's like a kin of sociology. Mm-hmm. Given with a mental health spin. And so I think social work are popping because their training can be generalized and then focus into whatever they mm-hmm, want mm-hmm, it to. Mm-hmm. So you can get a degree in social work and say, hey, you know what? I want to offer therapy. And, and you can. And you can. Yeah. I don't want to offer therapy. I want to go into managed care or um, mm-hmm. case management. What else? And you can do that too. Or you can go into more like the business part yeah. and manage a clinic yep. or an agency. Mm-hmm. So their training can be it's generalized. Broad. It's yeah. very broad. How and, I how I understand social work as like a different entity than clinic, than um, 
marriage and family therapy is the clinical piece. Yeah. Because social workers, wherever uh, systems intersect, that's where you're going to find a social worker. Mm -hmm. Like, if I need my doctor, my therapist, and my lawyer to be on the same page, Mm -hmm. that's what social Social workers workers do. do. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they're trained to do. It's like... Work and... Yeah. Different... Like, they, their whole training is that um, we exist in, like, different sects in society. Mm-hmm. So, how do we, like, blend all those so together can, right. so that we can function? Right. Whereas, marriage family therapy is clinically focused. Right. It's, like, I might, well, of course, I might talk to your lawyer if you wanted me to. Right. But my focus is about you. But at the end of the day, it's very, even talking to the lawyer has a clinical exactly goal attached mm-hmm. to it. Um, so I think the clinical piece is a big piece, and um, any MFT program that you have will be highly clinical, clinical based, meaning focus. you are in that therapy room, seeing clients, seeing clients off the bat for I will say, and it's a lot of hours, it's a lot of clients, mm-hmm. but by the time you're done, and you will be done, mm-hmm. it may not feel like it, um, you will be well trained to work specifically, like I said, with. Um, systems. So, um, I wanted, so that leads me into my next question. I wanted to talk about licensure versus not. Mm. Because that ties into what we were talking about, about not getting paid for this, not getting hired. If you don't have a license Mm. and you are currently in the program, you, one, probably don't have time to pick up another job. Yeah. (laughs) Um, two... Um, more than likely, you will have an internship position, meaning um, it's probably going to be non-paid. Not paid. But you can still receive supervision. You can still see, still receive hours that can go towards your license. I guess start, because people, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know where everybody is in relation to mental health or therapy or counseling, whatever. But in seeking out services, a lot of times people like, tout this license as the thing that makes you qualified to do therapy. Like, you ain't talking to just, like, no nobody. You talking to a licensed therapist. Okay, I just want to, like, problematize that and break that down a little bit. Because I've been a therapist for five years, Mm. which um, I have probably more experience than somebody who might be licensed. um, Because, and technically, you can earn the hours to be licensed within two years. Yeah. Um, however, semicolon, um, <laughs> licensure is a very expensive process. Mm-hmm. It is also not a national process. So even though there's a national exam, mm-hmm. each state has different requirements for what it takes to be licensed. Right. So like I said, I was adopted to marriage and family therapy. So I started my clinical career as a clinical mental health counselor in Alabama. And then, so, and, and accrued like 2,200 hours. Right. But when I moved to New York, New York was like, hours where? (laughs) (laughs) Non-existent. No, we don't accept hours from any other state. And I really wish I would have known that. Because I would have just stayed in Alabama for my PhD and been licensed a long time ago. Um, It's also very expensive. So So expensive. You pay for every step towards your licensure. So not only do you... Are you in a master's program, which most master's programs don't give you full funding, like PhD programs do? Right. Because you're only there for two years, so they see you as, like, in and out. There are, I've learned recently that um, there are a few master's programs for just a master's in MFT that are three years. Um, I feel like a, like a lot of the feedback these programs have been 
getting is that by the time the two years are done, a lot of students are burnt out or they're not deciding to stay in the field and continue the profession because they're just burnt out by grad school and can't even join the field. So there's a lot of MFT programs that are now three years. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to be in school for three years, might as well go for your PhD. It's <laughs> just Basically. a long time. I'm just saying. So um, no funding, three years is a long but time. But I think the difference is, so the master's is the terminal degree. Mm-hmm. That's the only degree you need to be a therapist. You don't yeah. need a PhD to be a therapist. That's a good point. Yeah. If you want to be a therapist, you have to have a minimum master's a, a master's degree. degree. Yeah. I mean, different different fields are different. So I mean, like, a psychiatrist, for example, you got to go to medical school. Of course. Um, but for a marriage and family therapist, clinical mental health counselor, school counselor. Um, the only other, well, I don't know because I know you can get a bachelor's in social work. And I know some people who work can. in the field. But of course, yeah. if you want to move up, you then have to go get a master's. The master's, yeah. But I've seen some social workers with bachelor's degrees. So. so typically you wouldn't get a PhD unless you want to... Um, teach, like be a part of training mm-hmm. future therapists, which is what I'm doing. Or if you want to research, because the PhD is a research intensive degree. Right. And I think a lot of folks don't know that before starting. They just think, oh, I had a really good time in my master's program. So I want to learn more about being a good therapist. So I'm going to do a PhD. Mm-hmm. If you don't like research, don't do a PhD because right. it's a research degree. And I also want to say that an alternative to a PhD program right. that is currently at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Shout out to Florida. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they offer... we get this, this podcast gets no money from the university. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't. I'm from Florida. That's why. Um, Nova Southeastern University um, has a DMFT program. Which is um, a doctorate of marriage and family therapy. Mm-hmm. So basically, it is that extended master's, right. and your focus is not research. It's very much um, clinical. clinical based. Um, I believe instead of a dissertation, you have to implement some type of a program within a clinical population, and then work through it that way. Mm, fuck it up then. Yeah, similar to a master's project or thesis. Yeah. So. Um, there's also the side D. Right, right. Yeah. So those so. are alternatives. I feel like we definitely have to have more of those because I that's something that I would be interested in. I don't see myself yeah. in the research. The side D is uh the doctor of psychology, but you can also get a side D in MFT. MFT, uh-huh. Um and it's different from a PhD in that it's clinical focus. Mm-hmm. You ha- you basically have to get more clinical hours. Right. And you don't do the research piece. You don't do the dissertation. Right. I don't know what the process is for completing it. Yeah, I'm not 100% but, sure. But yeah. it has... It's rigors still. Yeah. It's a doctor degree. It's still a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a different type of rigor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, going back to licensure, because... I feel like a lot of times people are thrown off that I'm not licensed mm-hmm. because I'm about to have my PhD. Right. I've been I've been counseling for so long. Who does this? Like, yeah, you know this me. Um, so they're like, wait, but you don't have your license? No, because for the most part, for the better part of the last five years, I've been a full time student. Right, and so. And I've moved state, so I lost all those hours that I collected. Right, and uh, a license is not a requirement to be a healer. It's not. 
for services to be therapeutic. I wanted to point that out also. And yeah, it's not required. Like you don't you don't need to have a license in order to practice, uh, uh, especially if you're in um educational program. Mm-hmm. As long as you're in an educational program being supervised by someone who is a registered supervisor or um a licensed person, mm-hmm. then you don't need to be licensed to practice. And honestly, I feel like those people offer more culturally sensitive therapy mm-hmm. because once you get your license, nobody is watching what you're doing. Right. Like it's it's hands off from that point. Light. Yeah. Yeah. And but for me, I have three different layers of supervision on my work. So there's always somebody there like Hey girl, you could do this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tighten up here. Yeah. I don't think you're really attending to the way this family is from so and so. Like yeah. there's always layers to it. Right. Yeah, so I just I, I think I I was just kind of bitter about it because I know a lot of problematic people who are licensed. Who are licensed. Yo, that's not yo, I don't even know if I want to get into that. Because at the end of the day, it like any other field, it's really about who you know. So I've heard accurate. Like getting those hours. I've heard about all you gotta do is have someone that says, Yeah, I'm gonna sign off on these hours. Whether you perform the thousand or not. Or perform two. Yep. As long as there's that person and once again, if you have a license, no one is checking up on you. Mm -hmm. So if that licensed person who's not getting checked up on says to the board, Hey, this person completed fifteen hundred hours under my watch, then it's a go. That happens. I'm I'm not, I ain't going to call nobody out, ain't going to say no names, but in my master's program, I I had to graduate in August instead of May because, and I think this also has a lot to do with like being a black queer woman Mm -hmm. therapist where I don't have any any professors or cohort members that look like me or who have similar identities to me. So they not automatically going to relate to me yeah. and want to see. They're they don't looking out for you exactly because they don't see me in the field. They mm. see themselves in the field, right. like so hella white, out. hella straight. Mm-hmm. And so, no, who's looking out for me? No. So I gra- had to graduate in August instead of May because I didn't have that licensed person who was going to co-sign my hours. Right. Not saying that like I didn't do them because I did every one of my hours, right. <laughs> every right. single one, and probably more because there's a lot of stuff you can't count towards your hours, like. Staying late working on uh, case notes mm-hmm. or treatment yeah, plans. Yeah, that's the thing about our clinical... So, when you are in more so the clinical aspect, only contact hours, meaning in session... In session. ...with the client is counted as hours, whereas other fields, social work is the one I'm knowledgeable of. As long as you're clocked into the site, clinic or yeah. the site, you're getting hours. Yeah. So, hours for doing documentation, mm-hmm. hours for consultation, supervision... Or just sitting here because a client didn't yes. show up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how student affairs counseling works also. As long as you're on the site, you're accruing hours. Mm-hmm. So people can get 12 hours in a day if yeah. they, you know, but... Did you see 12 clients? Exactly. Probably not. If I'm not in a room... And the client has to show up. Right. So if, I, if, right, right. if I'm not in a room with a client, I'm not getting those hours. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. yeah, but I know, I know two girls for sure in my master's cohort who did not complete those hours, mm-hmm. but who were beloved by somebody with a license forgery. who signed their hours. I'm telling you, there's a lot of forgery out there. But we're not saying this to get your hopes down. I always tell people when going into these programs to be prepared to know these things are going on. Because if you see it happening, you're a victim of it. 
it can be easy it can be easy for you to get discouraged but i think in any academic program you have to in my perspective learn to play the game yeah and i i feel like we need to write we i already told you i think we need to write a paper about the experiences of black women black queer women in mm-hmm. um therapy programs because at times it does feel like you're getting traumatized trying to become a therapist mm. Um, but also for folks who are looking for therapists or seeking mental health services. Right. That's why I wanted to talk about the difference between licensure and not. Because, um, like, you, like don't let someone not being licensed be an automatic no for you. Right. Because that actually might be the person who is going to, like, go hard for you mm-hmm. the most. Because they are being supervised, um... And all these other things. Whereas licensure is... Right now, the only thing stopping me from being licensed is the money. Right. Like, it just costs an insane amount to be licensed. And so I can't even start that process in New York State until I have a job that will hire me, which the jobs want you to have a license. So how I'm supposed to get a license. So in a way, that person is working under a license. It's just not Mm -hmm. theirs. Right. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, you're just going to some random person. No, they're working under a license. If something were to happen to you... Someone would be responsible, right. whoever's holding that license, their supervisor. It's right. just they don't have that license. Mm-hmm. And um, like you mentioned before, their supervisor is looking out for them and it's giving them extra feedback. And I also still have um, like insurance as if I am like a, a licensed therapist yeah, too. That's a mandatory program. Right. It's mandatory if you're seeing clients. Is As a student, you have to have um, insurance. So if anything harm happens to your client, you're covered. And once you graduate, you become a preclinical fellow um, in which you still have to purchase insurance. So it doesn't matter. As long as you have the title of marriage and family therapist, Mm -hmm. you have to be insured just in case you practice. Yeah. And so I guess this leads me into the next part that I wanted to talk about around why there aren't more therapists from marginalized backgrounds. I guess representation is becoming like, white gay men or white queer men mm-hmm. as far as far as marginalization particularly in marriage and family therapy oh yeah oh my god for uh, sure i um it's like we got a white queer dude check that's diversity yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that, no that, that's it that's <laughs> i went um to a conference for um amft specifically this branch called the minority fellowship program <laughs> And um, with the term, like, minority as the leading. (laughs) I wish y'all could see the shade on her face right now. No, 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 no. The term was minority, right? And I'm over here thinking I am going to meet my peers, Mm -hmm. therapists who look like me, Mm -hmm. share some of the same experiences that I do, some of the same struggles and triumphs. And when I walk into that room to my um, surprise... I would say um, more than 50% of the room, I dare say 75%, just off, not just me talking to them, so all I can see yeah, that they were all white or white passing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a good majority of them were men, cis men, based on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eventually, of course, they talked about their identities, um, but um, some of them, a good majority of those men were gay. Gay. Or trans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's that's the dangers of these fucking words. It's like, 
we can't keep coming up with enough words to describe our experience because academia just takes them and bastardizes yeah, them. Yeah. Because how are you calling something a minority? Right. Diversity. Right. And it's and that's what is queer in white men. Right. And so okay. how many that I can count on one hand how many black women, black queer women, women of color, queer women mm, of color that yeah. were there. Um, so it was and it's a, a minority fellowship program. Minority fellowship mm. and zero black man. Mm. I'm trying to think about a men of color. That's why I don't know if you watched it, but this show, Thirteen Reasons Why, mm-hmm. I I didn't do a podcast episode for it, and I guess it's late now. Yeah. But I was so I was heated. Because they had a black man as the school counselor. Right. And he wasn't about nothing. Right. You know, he, like wasn't, he, he, didn't he was so fulfill. problematic. Wasn't right. doing anything. Right. I'm like, like I said, I've been in uh, now three different mental health professions. Right. <laughs> Clinical mental health counseling. I was a uh, counselor in psych. And now I'm marriage and family therapy. And I have known in all of those programs at two different universities, one black man right. who is a school counseling School counselor. Right. But this is the the representation, main represent, right. the first representation of what a, of what a, black, a black man health. as a mental health professional right. we get Piss. is this man who like slut shames victims of rape. Piss for Do- yeah. Not educated about doesn't report how he needs to, to right, report. Right. He's not educated about like the response he's supposed to have to some of the crises that were happening. On Girl, that, that made me mad. Because um, I think half the half the season he was shook. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm not one, I mean, I think, I think black women have always been doing the work, but I think specifically with school counselors, there needs to be black men in schools Mm -hmm. because the way that there needs to be black men in school counseling positions specifically, not just teachers, because, because of the way that kids get like pipelined Mm -hmm. into, um, like school to confinement in very different ways. So this plays out for like. Black uh, queer girls who are visibly queer in K through twelve schools, and and we I think I think the dominant narrative we know about is for black boys. Black boys in so those so so to come to combat that, mm-hmm. you need like that representation. Yeah, outside. so it's because I think there are limitations that a black teacher has. Yeah, absolutely, that they can't offer. So mm-hmm. it's true to have a black school psychologist and then a black social worker yeah. that can then connect the child right. to services mm-hmm. to help the family and like those systems together. Yeah. So we need representation on all sides. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not enough to say, oh, we have black teachers. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so I was thinking about I mean, my experience trying to find a therapist, mm-hmm. being a therapist. And then oh. also like knowing people who are trying to seek out a a therapist of color, right? And a therapist of color who's also queer. queer that you're asking for a needle in a haystack. <laughs> um, right. And it's not because we don't do it. Like like you said, I mean, I I can name people who are doing healing type work who are brown and queer. It's just that they can't. Um, I won't say they can't, but that these programs are so. Hostile, violent, microaggressive, racist, homophobic, mm-hmm. that that people, queer people of color can't like really survive them. So when you're like, oh, I'm a licensed so and so, you were able to navigate that right. space. And so I know some people just don't want to deal with the fuckery. Like, right. 
my mom can't understand why I'm still in MFT. Right. But I'm like, girl, it's so much better than counseling. Right, right, and I'm right. just like, the, I, the devil you don't know. Exactly. Um, That's true. And I just also have to think about all the people of color, queer people of color, that start these programs that I've started with. And I just watched my cohort shrink. Dwindle. Yeah. Shrink like a dried old raisin. I mean, we, we beautiful raisins, but... Like, we started out as voluptuous yeah. grapes. Like. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people just... It's not even about handling the pressure. That shit is just unfair. Like, the shit... The stuff yeah. they put you through in these programs... Mm-hmm. Yeah. They put you through it so that you don't get through it. Yeah. Essentially. It wasn't it wasn't designed with our type of healing in mind. Mm-mm. It was designed with this, you know, white you man. Know, white man healing. Yeah. And I don't even even healing, they don't deserve the word healing. They don't. They get your hands off the word healing, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> like, Cuz that is not what y'all doing. No. Nah. Even these um I know the restrictions you have around like dual relationships with clients. Yes. Even that wasn't designed with us in no, mind. Because if if there's ten black queer people in the whole city of Syracuse, right. and I happen to be a therapist, you're gonna you you gonna know <laughs> at least half of them. I'm I'm gonna know, gonna, and that's dual relationships. And according to specifically MFT and any type of mental health profession, ethical yeah. that's ethical guidelines that you would have to stop seeing that client and yep. refer them out to who. If Where? I'm the only if I'm black <laughs> queer woman therapist. <laughs> Who are you referring? Go to another state, honey. <laughs> yeah, travel like, um, these hours. You take a flight every week. You are gonna have to drive down to Philadelphia. Yeah, like, yeah, to fi- right in Philly to find someone. That's outrageous and egregious. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a violence against communities. Like, and yes. I, it's funny for like a, a systemic. So we're talking about how marriage and family therapy is different from other fields because we think about people in relation to one another. Right. Yet and still, we have this ethical guideline that says you can't... About how you can have, be related. How you can be related. Right. That's some Trump shit. Like, right. This is like that, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, right now, I have um, a family that I'm seeing, and I know them from other spaces mm-hmm. because... Syracuse is particular. Like y'all should really look it up. Like mm-hmm. it's particularly bad for Black and Brown people here. Mm-hmm. The concentrated poverty is the highest in the nation. Right. Um, and so I do like these magic and healing workshops in the community. Like I said, I don't get paid for it. Right. It's just it's kind of like my activism. My right therapy there. is what I like do for my activism. Mm-hmm. And so I know this family from my healing workshops. But when they come to the clinic. Oh, you can't see Montanique because dual relationships. Is right. Excuse me? Right. Like, I've been healing these folks outside of a clinical setting. Right, so if anything, your therapeutic relationship with them would have already been, like, <laughs> at a head start. Exactly. Like, that joining would have been... I'm the most qualified. So, right. and then they love to talk about, like, cultural competence and competence working All with clients. All buzzwords. There's no, like, so you to it. Exactly. Just, yeah. So, what they mean by cultural competence is you read the chapter on black people mm-hmm. as opposed to me living a black queer ex- experience. Mm-hmm. Right. My life work mm-hmm. <laughs> coming to being okay with saying all of those things and right. for them to be beautiful for me, that doesn't make me the most competent person to work Qualified. with right. black queer people. They'll tell you, oh, just because you share the same identities don't make assumptions, which I get. And you have to validate the fact that because I hold these identities, like, there's this automatic connection that I will have yeah. with a client who's black, queer, immigrant, mm-hmm. a woman, like, 
It's, and then from the client's perspective, they, they've given us feedback about how this sense of relief when they mm-hmm. walk in and that's who this who you see. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God. Yeah. We good. Because I've been seeing a white therapist for the mm-hmm. past three years. Yeah. glad to see mm-hmm. you. Or even as I'm walking off with my clients, I see other people in the waiting room looking at me yep. like, yo, can I be, <laughs> they don't tell me this, but it's like, can who I, that? Is can that, that be my therapist? <laughs> can that be my therapist? I only have black therapist. <laughs> I'm like, I went, like, I went to the uh, to the waiting room to get my client, and there was a black girl sitting out there, yeah. and, she, and that was when I had my green hair. She was like, "You you work here?" I was like, <laughs> right. "Yes, I'm a therapist." Right, right. She was like, "I like your hair. That's the same color I wanted." Right. And it, it, even though she didn't say it, mm-hmm. I knew in that moment she was like, "Damn, why isn't she?" Right. Why did I get a son? It's a Kathy, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or one of the ten Kirsten. Kier- oh my god. <laughs> Oh, if I Kirsten, Kristen, Jesus. I don't want to hear any derivation of, of Christy, Kirsten. Kirsten, or Kristen ever again oh in my, my life. God. If I feel like if you were born with those names, you're supposed to be this white therapist. White therapist. <laughs> that's, 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 that's your calling. That's your calling, darling. So if you're hearing this, forget I, about law school. I'm a white. I'm a white Kristen. Oh my god, <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a therapist. Yo, we need therapists, though. I mean, that'd be some woke Christians, so I can't even... If they listening to this, they would be woke. They're woke, yeah. You woke Christian. Do this. Oh, my God. I also had a client. So, I used to work in a setting where we would do intakes over the phone. It was horrible. Mm. I would never have people show up because I'm a black girl. Oh. And you can hear that over the phone. Yeah. But once I called to set up an intake, now that we do intakes in person at this new place that I'm at, and the girl was like, your name is what? I was like, my name is Montanique. Uh-huh. She was like, oh, I'm already coming. <laughs> I got a black girl. So she like yelling to somebody right. in the background. My dad is named Montanique. That's so beautiful. That's real. Because she had a black girl name too. Yeah. So it's just like even those small moments. Even that introduction. Yeah. Like another therapist mm-hmm. would be like, how do you pronounce that? Probably fuck up their names. Yep. But it's like this automatic connection. Yeah. Even I remember when they wouldn't refer the the person who wanted a Caribbean therapist to you. Right. Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, how do you do that? How how do you do that? How? So I okay, I wanted to end this podcast with like strategies for finding a therapist. a therapist. Okay. So that's one of them is to ask for the therapist you want. Yeah, yeah. Because, you have to ask for what yeah, you want. Yeah. Because if that clinic doesn't have it, I'm telling you they're going to feel hella embarrassed to tell you mm-hmm. we don't have a therapist that speaks Spanish. Right. We don't have a black therapist. Right. We don't have a woman that right. you can meet with. Like, right. put them, call them to task. Like, why don't you have a Caribbean therapist? Right. And when they say no, ask these questions. Yeah. Why don't you have a Caribbean therapist? Why? Why? How are y'all? How are y'all hiring? How? Are, where are y'all looking for therapists? Because right. let me tell y'all, we out here. Yes, we've been looking for jobs since we graduated. Exactly, <laughs> and they're not giving us no chance. Mm-hmm. But um, I think another method um, for looking for a therapist that I think a lot of people bypass, um, if you don't know, if you um, live near a university or a school that offers. Any programs in marriage and family therapy, mm-hmm, mental mm-hmm. health counseling, clinical. Come if on. there's a mental health profession, that there's a high chance that 
there's a clinic within the school yes. itself that serves not only its students but, but serves the community. the community. But they won't advertise to the community. They'll advertise strictly to students, faculty, and staff. And okay, I, can I add to that? We mm-hmm. be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also want to say that if you live near a university that has some sort of mental health program. They probably the services are free. It's free. If not free, then very cheap, like right. five to fifteen dollars to see a therapist. Right, right. Um, and also that's the power of the people. They the reason why they don't advertise to the community is because usually these universities are leeching from black and brown communities. Community, like yeah. Syracuse, the city is a very black and brown place, but it's not a black and brown brown owned place. Place, right? So this university is leeching from the community. That's why they don't They're advertise. Not looking to serve you. However. When the when the clinical population changes, so do the therapists. Yeah. So if they start seeing, we got a lot of low SES clients. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of clients of color. We have right. a lot of clients that speak Spanish yes. or Creole or whatever. Or immigrants, refugees. Am- exactly. They're gonna the it's gonna demand the program to change. Yeah. It's gonna demand them to bring in therapists, counselors, right, who are who representative, can- exactly, or at least begin a more intensive training. Of the current therapist that they have, yeah, because so Kristen gonna have to be woke when she she, she gonna have to be woke because um because I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> you like you were saying that the program would then at least start to train people at better. least start yeah. To, yeah to train people to be um more competent mm-hmm. to serve these types of populations. I so I think another place that people overlook when trying to find a therapist is their doctor's office. Yeah. So typically most doctor's offices will have a list of like behavioral health, which is just a fancy way of saying like a therapist, yeah. somebody who will sit and talk to you. Yeah. Um, a list of those people who also take your insurance. Right. Because they're connected and allied through your doctor. So um, asking your, your physical health provider if they know of any Connect- mental health yeah. connections. Yeah. And if they don't... So what's going on right now, specifically in the field of MFT, there's a growing medical marriage and family therapy therapist. So there are programs like designated to train specifically that. So what you can... So you've probably ran into MFTs at hospitals yep. or in medical settings mm-hmm. and didn't even know that's what they, they do. Mm-hmm. So... As that field continues to grow, so if you find yourself in a medical setting, you may be able to receive therapy and counseling in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a, right there, yeah. And so it's more integrative, um, collaborative care that's going on with, like I said, with the merging of both fields, which has its benefits, and I also see um, its own um, backdraws. But yeah, that's a good conversation. I used to work in a, a collaborative care uh, type situation where. My clients would literally leave their doctor's appointment mm-hmm. and then come talk to me for therapy. So yeah. it's like all in one, yeah. right there across the hall from one another. Yeah. That's great. So start from where you know. You know your doctor. Yeah. If you don't know your doctor, connect to a hospital or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so also, uh, I don't know if this is like a tip for finding a therapist uh, because I know it's not like feasible for a lot of people, but... If you're willing to travel also, because for anybody with, I would say any marginalized identity, um, it's really hard to find a therapist who can like relate. So I was, I was talking to one of my friends and, was, and she was like, do y'all have any Muslim therapists at your 
um, like site, mm-hmm. and I was like, one girl, I know, her, yeah. I know her, like she, one. Um, but if you're willing to travel, usually if you if you live in like not popping areas, mm-hmm. more popping areas will have more representative client uh, therapists. Therapist, yeah. So what I mean by that is like Syracuse is a city, but it's not popping. Yeah. Whereas like a Rochester, a New York City, a Toronto yeah. will have a more a more representative therapist pool but, that you can pick from. Also, with those popping cities, the population tends to be bigger, and so um, in terms of access, yeah, how long it's going to take you to access a representative therapist? Another, um, go ahead. Oh, because okay. I was going to say, if you're not doing it through um, agencies, like if you're not looking for like a psychological health care or something. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for a private practice, then it might be easier to yeah, get in. Yeah, private practice. Private yeah. costs more, though. It costs a lot, yeah. To get someone private. Another alternative um, uh, with our generation going more into technology, you can connect with a therapist online mm-hmm. um, and do therapy um, via video chat. Uh, another type that you probably can receive. Like, if you just Google, like, online therapists, mm-hmm. you can find some therapists. And then they would give you their personal number, and you can also text them anytime you mm-hmm. want. So, um, although some people may feel like it's less personal, um, I think that if you just need someone to talk to, that's like a quick way exactly. to get it going while you're waiting mm-hmm. or while you don't have access where you live. Um, and I would also encourage people to find therapeutic spaces that are not therapy Come through. Because I feel like MFTs... <laughs> no, I, I yeah, think MFTs, yeah. like, therapists, we are represented... We're in so many areas, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about you doing these healing spaces mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, I've seen integration of, like, um, spirituality and yes, therapy. yeah. Yoga or any type of other, like, getting you more aligned mm-hmm. in your body and therapy coming together. So I want you to... Um, Make your healing look more well-rounded and, like, deeper. Because we are complicated beings, right? And so yeah. just sitting in the therapy room. That don't work for everybody. That does right. not work for everybody or alone. So I think finding other um, healing spaces. I completely agree with that. Like, part of me felt like when you said that, you almost need therapy to seek out a therapist. Mm-hmm. Because that is not an easy process. Yeah. And so I think by the time they get to you, they're exhausted. Not yeah. only from their personal stuff, but the journey to get to that mm-hmm. room. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why the first few sessions are always really rough because people have been through the ringer trying to find a therapist, mm-hmm. yeah. and and I know like me on the other side of that as a therapist, I've been through the ringer trying to find clients, trying to get and, you and over get here. Yeah. yeah. So well, we both over here. We both probably like kind of sitting on nervousness, like okay, is this going to work out? Right. Um, and so, like, kind of related to that, what you were saying, I think it's a great idea to find healing outside of these, like, mental health spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think more therapists need to start be doing that. Occupying those yes, spaces. Yes, occupying spaces think, outside Because that. that's the gap, right? So, when you think about doing therapy in the therapy room, um, connecting to a client who's never been to therapy, there's just a lot of middle space. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, I think uh, there's a, this is a call to all therapy and mental health profession therapists and mental health professionals to begin to occupy those spaces. MFTs, make yourself visible. Yeah. Like, in other yeah. spaces, like, mm-hmm. you don't have to rely... I know money's important and getting your hours are important, but I think it's also important in terms of MFT, the field, to grow and deepen and really put ourselves apart from mm-hmm. everything else 
is to occupy these other spaces. Because I think in in its um, I don't know in its like foundation or what it what it truly is supposed to represent. MFT should be the space where all people of color, queer folks, mm-hmm. are becoming therapists. Yeah, because it's the way that we live. Our, we have to live our lives seeing shit systemically. Yeah, and so for for the programs to be so incredibly white. It just blows me. Like, well, there's, right. like, why aren't there more of us here? Like, mean. yes, that has to do with, um, like, access to higher education, education. in general. Right. But it, it also has to do with MFT is not getting the word out about this is what yeah, the we actually in do. the field, right? Yeah. Who, I don't want you to get discouraged. And um, for those who have the privilege of not, like, because I know some people, the money is the important. So it's like, yeah. get my license so I can find a good job. But I think that there are some of us who can't afford to do free sessions in mm-hmm. a community church mm-hmm. where right now that's a safe haven for refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do, um, I would encourage you to go into a local school and figure out if you can do a healing group for girls. Yep. Teach about yes. sex education. So like you I've have to it. like, you have to push yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. Into these other spaces, and that's how I think the work, or um, figure out organizations that do home visits. You can't just be yeah. sitting up in your office yeah. all the time. Because the people the ain't going to come to you always. Right, and some can't. Like, I, yeah. when the weather's so yeah. bad, I'm not telling mm-hmm. a client to take a two-hour bus ride just to come see me once a week yeah. for one hour. Yeah. That's asking a lot, you know? So, um... Yeah, this is definitely a call to MFT. Yeah, so you talked about, um, like, internet counseling and, like, e-counseling mm-hmm. or therapy. But I'm also thinking about, like, microtherapy. Mm. So, uh, a lot of times in places like churches and schools, there's a therapist where you can have, like, a 10 to 30 minute session with them. Yeah. It's kind of just like a checkup. Like, yeah. okay, how you doing? What what you immediately need to be talking about? Right. And MFTs need to be all over that. Yeah. Or even um, another thing I suggested was, um, I would suggest is to, in in terms of growing MFT specifically, is reaching to local universities and colleges and offering an introduction to MFT course. Just Mm -hmm. so that people are knowledgeable that this field does exist. Mm -hmm. And um, introducing them to systems, even if they decide not to go into this field, they can at least gain that lens to apply it to law school, med school, mm-hmm. nurse, whatever it is, architecture, whatever it is you choose to do, you can it's, gain that. It's really funny because I've been, like, requesting to teach that class, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, a year and a half mm-hmm. now. Like, can I teach an intro to MFT? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, but I think um, intention is pretty good because mm-hmm. then that impact, once it happens, if you keep per- being persistent. And if they don't want, if the school doesn't want you to um, teach the course, um, I'm trying to think like there should be like alternative ways to make it um to make it happen. I'm thinking. I just know yeah. like mm-hmm. especially our generation, there's a reason why certain jobs are non existent because we're constantly yeah. creating new things and mm-hmm. I think an MFT is calling us to think outside the box about how we serve, how we heal each other. And um we have to become creative. Because these um, problems are becoming more creative and how stressful oh, they are. Yeah. So the solutions mm-hmm. themselves have to um, be creative and systemic. Yeah. yeah. So that was it. The, oh, I mean, I have more to say about, um, <laughs> but I think this might be a part two in terms of, because I think we talked about therapy as this broad, we try to cover as much as possible, but I definitely wanted to cover the part about 
what is it like being a therapist? Yes. Like, in that personal part? Because yeah. I talked about how joining uh-huh. the field to, like, save yourself yeah, and yeah, save yeah. your community. So, um... I, I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah, so we so, can um, do a part do two. Do a part two, yeah. My voice will be much because better. Because, also, <laughs> um, I wanted to get a few other uh, black queer therapists in on that. Yeah. Yeah, because Dandy from the Do Tell podcast, I would like to get her on that conversation, too. Because she's in California, which is, like, notorious for being the hardest state to get licensed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And so, she's also a black queer therapist, so I I wanted her. And that's, you know what's funny is, like, we, like, it's so hard to find a black queer therapist. And I can name five. Yeah. But, of course, we all spread out. We all over the country. So, it's like, but, so, we're going to do a part two. Like, look out for that. Also, I would encourage you all again, if you have a topic for Queer Walk, shoot it this way. You can either use the hashtag, QueerWOC, or you can hit the new Gmail, QueerWalkPod at gmail.com to submit something you would like to hear us talk about. Yeah, you can send questions about what you would like covered in the next episode. Or what you would like to hear our opinion on. Right. I think that's great, right? (laughs) Like, if you, um, if some of y'all have questions, like, to ask therapists... You know, I see people because I've seen people sh- give out advice. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. No degrees. That's what I. Or no licenses. That's what like, made me want to be like, okay, I keep separating queer walk from my therapy, and I don't know why I do that because mm-hmm. I don't separate it in right, my life. Right. And so I'm like, okay, you gotta I bring just, that together. That's real. <laughs> just need to do this. So like, if y'all want to hear some sound advice, because we just have the experience and we kind of know what we talk about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I would also say though, like I'm not taking the place of like your f- real therapist. <laughs> so, but it feels great for me but, to say this, right? Yeah, people yeah. ask um, doctors for advice all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's a good place to be. That yeah. Way. So it's it's similar to that. Like, oh, I got this. Like you find out somebody's a doctor, and you'd be like, oh, oh I, I got I, this. Pain. I pain on yeah, my life. Yeah. About- it might be your liver, darling. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that same thing. You can thing. do that to us and um, like with your friendly black right. lesbian therapist over here, or bisexual. I was not trying to erase your identity. No, I had to come in and explain what's going (laughs) on over here. Um, Very much Haitian, so immigrant, born outside this country. Therapist. Right. You know, um, this. okay, I swear this is going to be the last thing. Then we're going to cut. Okay. (laughs) So somebody asked me when I told them that I had a podcast for queer women of color, and I try to talk about all things like community and wellness. They was like, do you have any Caribbeans on there? A... I was like, yes. <laughs> they was like, do you have any Jamaicans specifically? I was like, yes. Because they really think that there's no out queer Caribbean people. They're, like, we're here. We're here. Very here. Much here. Yeah. here. <laughs> Literally here. Most of, I'm trying to think of like all my co-hosts. Y'all have been like diasporic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm like, um... We, they're queer and they're Caribbean. All, yeah, queer we, Caribbean. Yeah, we get it. Caribbean. Yeah. That's, ooh, that's... No, that's not mine. I need to cite that. I oh, okay. I don't remember I was like, his that's name. That's nice. Okay. I'm no, sorry. I went to a um a presentation at the National Conference on Race and Ethnicity. Oh, okay. And it was called Caribbean. Hey. And he was he was specifically talking about... Girl, he, he just blew my mind. He was talking about how the Caribbean is like um a white imaginary space. Mm. Because like... 
it, it's basically a place where like white people went to go play out their fantasies. And so what I, that, mm, yo oh my blue mama I was like, what? you right what? I've heard yeah yes and so um so he talked about that but he also talked about like how, que- how queerness has always been like present in the cultures that are in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and even though there's this like dominant narrative it's around homophobia, homophobia. And, yeah extreme homophobia yeah yeah. But nobody wants to talk about how, like, colonization is responsible for those buggery laws and how, like, forced religion is also responsible for that, a lot of right. that. So, I won't get into that. <laughs> we right. All right. Yo, Thank y'all like for listening. Hours it really could. But the thing is, we have these conversations, like, in regular This life. is normal. This is a normal day fest. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. This is Philandy checking out. All right, y'all. And y'all know who it is. Money. (laughs) All right. Later, deuces.